Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. We are taking a one-week break from our series on the priesthood of every believer, and we're bringing you a classic edition of Critical Issues Commentary featuring Bob DeWay and Dick Cuffel. We'll be back next week with part six of the priesthood of every believer. Here's Dick Cuffel and Bob DeWay. Our topic today is Apostles and Prophets and the Foundation of the Church. Seems like it's pretty obvious, Robert, but uh, why are we even talking about this? Well, maybe it's not so obvious. (laughs) The reason we are on this topic is that we are discussing a popular movement that's promoting the idea that God is raising up powerful, authoritative latter-day apostles and prophets that are going to do fantastic miracles. They're going to have new revelations. They're going to transform not only the church, but some even claim society and create this new wonderful situation of the nations being Christianized or whatever before the return of Christ. It's interesting when you had that, you had a list of the claims in the paper that you'd written by the way, folks, if you've not caught us before, Critical Issues Commentary is on the web, and these papers are full papers that have been written by Bob at some time in the past, and you can click on and open them up and read the full text if you want to. We're talking about some of the key issues here. But one of them had to do with a new breed of man with revelations and power and prophetic insight, and I thought, man. Yeah, I have the books in my library to do the research on this, and... There's no claim that's outrageous enough that they won't make it. Okay. Well, that's quite an opening to our program. What are we going to show in this discussion? You would think that this wouldn't be necessary, but when I get this flyer in the mail called Revival Fire, and it's promoting this new wave revival, whatever it is, and here's book after book in there written by false teachers, false prophets, false apostles, and they're claiming they're going to revive the church. So we need error and false teaching to revive the church. It's outrageous. But yet there are literally hundreds of thousands of people who are caught up in this movement, and they believe these claims. And the claims are based on certain scriptures that these people use because a lot of people maybe don't understand what the scriptures say, so therefore they can get by with it. So what we do is we go to the scripture, and through careful exegesis show from the context what the scripture means okay what's our approach specifically going to be today to go after the topic of apostles and prophets and the foundation of the church okay the underlying claim is based on ephesians 4 11 through 13 and what we'll be doing is discussing that passage okay and we're going to see if it predicts a new breed of apostles and prophets like i mentioned a moment ago who will empower the church to take over dominion before Christ returns, and a number of other points. Okay. Okay, we're going to look at it from that perspective, yes, right? Yes, that's okay. the claim. We want to see what the passage says. Outstanding. Okay, so let's start with Ephesians and what Paul says about it. Okay. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Okay, 
Now he does say that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Yes. Okay? Here's how the revival fire movement, or whatever you want to call this, it used to be called the Latter Rain Movement, by the way, back in the 40s. The way they deal with this is, obviously, this goes on throughout the church age, because these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, the so-called fivefold ministry, are given until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And since that hasn't happened yet, it must continue to be going on until it does happen. So therefore, he is still giving apostles and prophets. That's the claim. And on the surface of things, one might be persuaded to believe that. Okay, we don't agree with that. Why? Well, they haven't been very careful in their use of the book of Ephesians because Paul twice before Ephesians 4 talked about apostles and prophets. So what we need to do is find out who he's talking about. Okay, where would you go? Well, we have to just look at the possibilities and then we'll look at the context. Okay, Okay. here's uh, what I can understand. There's three possibilities as to who these apostles and prophets are. First possibility is the biblical ones. The apostles and prophets through whom God worked to give us the New Testament. Right, the biblical ones, the immediate apostles of Christ. What is the term for that from a theological point of view? The ones that are given normative revelation, or they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the Scripture. And they would have to have certain credentials, like having seen the resurrected Christ. Someone like Paul who claimed to be the last because he was one that was born out of time, First Corinthians 15. So that's the authoritative apostles, the ones who gave us the biblical revelation, the New Testament. Another possibility is that he's not restricting it to those, but he's going to be talking about just functional. Because the term apostle from the Greek can mean these unique apostles of Christ, or it can mean just anyone who's sent on a mission. In the same way with a prophet, it can mean someone in the office of a prophet, or it can mean someone who prophesies, a prophesying one. That's a possibility. Or third, it could mean what these other guys are saying, is that these are authoritative, revelatory apostles and prophets that don't arise until later in church history. They give us new revelations. That's what these guys are claiming. Okay. So we have these three possibilities. I'm going to argue that it's the biblical ones that Paul's talking about here. You also make a point of the foundational aspect of their role. That's what we're going to talk about. Let's pick that part of it up, because if that was their role, you know, and it ended there, we should discuss it here, I think. Yes. Paul uses the analogy of a building. And when he uses this terminology to the building up of the body of Christ, he's using a Greek word that's also used in Ephesians 2. So it gives us a clue. Let's look back in Ephesians 2 and see if we can find out what Paul means. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are also fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. So here, the foundation of the building are the apostles and prophets, with Christ being the cornerstone. And so these would be the apostles and prophets of the New Testament. I like that. 
So now we have a foundation that's been established. I do have one question, though. Who are the prophets? Well, that's an interesting discussion because though Paul uses the phrase apostles and prophets, the New Testament was written by apostles. There's only one prophet named specifically a prophet in the New Testament, and that is Agabus. But he didn't write any biblical passages. So some assume that it means apostles as prophets. There's a number of discussions about this. But whatever Paul's meaning, he's talking about New Testament ones that actually existed in his day. Okay. Because they're given together as a group, and they're part of the foundation. All right. And I go with that one. So we conclude that the apostles and prophets in Ephesians 2.20 are the foundations of the church? Yes. Okay. And Christ fits in there where? Christ is the cornerstone, which is the key stone. And that's, of course, uh, referring to an Old Testament prophecy, and it's also mentioned in 1 Peter. But that's your foundation, and it's only laid once. So the idea is you lay the foundation, it's laid once for all, all of church history is a process of building upon the foundation. Okay. So you don't have to go back and relay the foundation. That's only done once. The building goes on until the house is completed. But I think I would like to give one more piece of evidence to prove my contention that these are biblical apostles and prophets from the New Testament time and not some latter-day ones. And that's found in Ephesians 3, 4 through 6, where it says, And by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. I want to stop right there before I finish the quotation. As it now has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. So he's talking about specifically the New Testament revelation. And it says, has been revealed. So these apostles and prophets, Paul's talking about Ephesians, are the ones who received from Christ himself the New Testament. That's very clear in Ephesians 3, 4, and 5. Then he goes on and tells the content of this mystery, and that's to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. This isn't some mystery religion with secret initiation rites. It's the gospel. I like it. Okay. The second major area that we wanted to pursue then was the fivefold ministry, is it for today? Now, there's, there's quite a body of belief out there that says these five that we listed at the beginning are all present in all that power now. Okay. There's a couple of major issues here. What I've tried to show is that clearly you have the foundation It's the New Testament apostles and prophets with Christ himself that are the foundation. The building's built throughout church history as God adds people to his church. And Ephesians 3 said that it was about the gospel and about God saving Gentiles and Jews and building them into this building. One new man, it says in Ephesians 2. So now, what about ongoing church history? Are there more apostles? Or can we ask the question this way, do the apostles have successors? Now, if you're Roman Catholic, you would say, yes, that the foundation was not laid once for all, that there are a succession of apostles that are called popes, 
and that they continue throughout church history to give us new authoritative revelation. And that they can at times speak with just as much authority as anybody in the Bible did, and we're bound to what they say. Now, there's been a lot of books written to refute that position. can't go into a lot of detail here, but you can get the article on our website, Issue 66. I quote Clement of Rome, whom the Catholics claim is one of the early popes. And Clement wrote a real early epistle around 100 AD or 105. And in that, he cites Paul as an apostle who wrote scripture and, and distinguishes between himself, Clement, and true apostles, the right scripture. He doesn't consider himself a successor of the apostles. So the early church realized that the apostles were the ones that gave the New Testament. They did not see more of them coming along to add to this. Now, it was a number of years before the canon was settled upon, but it was closed when it was done being written, the canon being the authoritative books of the New Testament. Okay. Interesting, when you were mentioning Clement, uh, there's a series out of <laughs> my background, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius. Well, you got to memorize. Adam, Paul, Cosmos, and Damien. Uh, it's a whole, it's a whole <laughs> bunch. Anyway, wherever that came from. The foundation is laid once for all. Okay, we have some apostles' qualifications that are listed, that they're unique, and then there's also the concept of the writings of the apostles was considered scripture. Yes. So that really ends a long time ago, if that's true. So yes. we have to talk about what's your background for that. Well, Jude says that we should earnestly contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And then Peter says that Paul was writing scripture in Second Peter. So we have this idea that there's this body of material inspired by the Holy Spirit that's inerrant, that's been given to the church, through the biblical apostles and prophets, ordained by Christ, his apostles, that is the foundation. And notice in Ephesians 4 that ultimately it goes on and says that we will no longer be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So how is that going to happen? Well, we have a solid biblical foundation that we stick with, so we aren't tossed around by the winds of doctrine. But if we got all kinds of apostles running around the world claiming to be speaking infallibly for God or giving us new revelations, they create the wind of doctrines, whereas the true biblical ones help us withstand these. Absolutely. Bob, I want to continue with the apostolic question portion of this. You're saying there will be no more authoritative apostles after the death of Christ. After the death of those whom Christ appointed. Better yet. Okay. okay. Period. I mean, you're, yes. not, you're not waffling on this thing? That's no, a fact. That's it. Okay. Limits on the ministry. We have these evangelists, pastors, and teachers left. We haven't talked about that part yet. Okay. What about them? Well, their role is to take this once-for-all faith that was delivered to the saints and be used by God to build this building. Remember we have a building analogy? Yes. A foundation and a building. So what do the evangelists do? They take the faith, this mystery of God that Paul talked about in Ephesians 3, that God is saving Gentiles and Jews, putting them into one body through the atoning death of Christ, and they're preaching the gospel to people that have never heard it before. They're going out into the nations. They're going whenever, preaching the gospel, out on the streets. So that's doing part of building the building because it's bringing the people in. Pastors are nurturing the flock that God has gathered 
through the gospel, through the price of the blood of Jesus, the people that he has purchased, pastors nurture them in the faith. And teachers are teaching all of the whole counsel of God that are teaching everything that God has said in the scriptures so that throughout church history and certainly throughout the life of each Christian, we should be taught and trained in the word of God so that we are equipped for the work of the ministry, which is what Ephesians says, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Does this sound restrictive? Well, it's restrictive if you're a Roman Catholic because we're saying, no, tradition doesn't add to Scripture. No, there's no successor of the apostles to tell us new revelations. So they'd say, no, that's way too restrictive. We need all this other material. It's restrictive if you're into this modern revival movement because they too claim that they have revelations from God that we must hear, and if we don't listen to them, God's going to judge us. So they think that we have to go beyond the scriptures, beyond the apostles and prophets that God gave to the church as the foundation, and have new ones with new revelations. I was warned against this, by the way. I went to um, North Central Bible College, which is Assemblies of God, and I went there from 1971 to 1974, graduated in 74, and my teachers, every one of them, warned about this sort of thing. And they said, you know, this thing came around in the 40s. It was called the Latter Rain Movement. We don't buy this. These people claim to be apostles and prophets. They aren't. Don't listen to them. Stick to the scripture. I was taught, learn the Greek, learn hermeneutics, get into scriptures, and don't go into this stuff. That was in the early 70s. And part of the reason we're having this conference is that people like Oral Steinkamp, for example, who's a retired Assemblies of God minister, is noticing that nowadays people are letting stuff in that they used to stand against. Well, Oral's background is kind of phenomenal anyway. 20 years of, of missionary He was Vietnam. a missionary in Vietnam until 1975. He was one of the last people out of Vietnam in 75. He also taught in Bible college in Australia. He's been around the world. He's had recent experience going back to Vietnam to encourage the local pastors in the underground church and subsequently got arrested. He's got quite a story. But he has taken up this issue and researched what's being said and what's being taught in this movement. It's really got some good material out. There are some other teachings that interpret all of what we've talked about differently, and I think you've touched on a couple of them already. We didn't mention Colorado specifically or some of the things in Florida, etc., but there's the manifested sons of God, and then there's some specific work that Bill Hammond has, has spoken of. I think we should touch on that for just a minute before we move on. Okay, the idea is, this gets started with this idea of restoration that the latter rain movement was promoting in the mid-20th century. And they looked at church history as this great beginning in the book of Acts and then subsequent ceasing of things. Prophecy, gifts, all this stuff kind of disappeared, and pretty soon the church was in the dark days of apostasy and went on for many, many centuries. And then God began to restore the church. And so they have sort of a timeline, and you start with the Reformation and the restored certain things. And then when they list this restoration, it always kind of runs eventually into their movement. Okay, You end up with uh, Azusa Street and 
the latter rain movement as a restoration. Well, the latter rain movement was considered heretical at the time. Some of its early leaders denied the Trinity. We had William Branham Branham and the the serpent seed teaching that was heresy that claimed that the human race was a result of Satan literally having sexual intercourse with Eve. It was a blasphemous heresy that was taught by this Branham. And so this stuff was considered heretical, but now they're saying it's part of the restoration. It's listed as such in his Bill Hammond's book. And the last thing to be restored is going to be these Latter-day Apostles and Prophets, according to the manifested sons of God. You know, some of them even claim that they already had their glorified bodies. Of course, they died. I thought the glorified body would be a little better than that, but there's been a lot of errors and excesses. I don't know if anybody's claiming that today, but back in the 40s there were some that were. It was called the Manifested Sons of God. They claimed that that passage in Romans 8 was for now. We didn't have to wait till the resurrection. I think that from some of the, uh, what do you call it, when you have 150 channels on television, some of the faith channels that you can find, some of these teachings seem to be uh, out there still and a lot broader and a lot bolder. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. We have to get to what reality is so that the folks get a, a good touch with where are we going and wrap up all of this that we're talking about. Yeah. Let's just summarize by pointing something out that's pretty obvious, I should think, and that is this. The Bible says Christ is the cornerstone of this building. Now, for Christ to be the cornerstone, does it mean that you have to have many Christs arise all the way through church history? Well, no, he's the cornerstone, even though he died was raised from the dead on the third day and bodily ascended in heaven, and he sits at the right hand of the Father in authority. He's still the cornerstone. You don't have to have a new Christ for him to still be the cornerstone. And likewise, the apostles and prophets are the foundation. You don't have to have more of them arise for them to continue to be the foundation because we have their writings, the New Testament. And that's what Paul's talking about. So that's what the truth is. There are no authoritative apostles after the death of the biblical ones. The apostles had no successors. And we're also saying that evangelists, pastors, and teachers who are true to Christ have no message but that which has been once for all delivered to the saints. The only thing that we know is what God told us in the Bible. We can't add to that. And the unity that Christ talks about till we all attain to the unity of the faith won't happen until after he returns. Not before. We strive for it all the way through church history, but it does not happen until he actually returns. Okay, and one more thing. Those who claim new revelations, new power, new authority, apostolic status? They're false. They lie. <laughs> Got that. That's real simple. How would you wrap this up for the people? I mean, that, that was a great summation. That covers what we were teaching today. But pastorally, you've got some concerns about that. Well, there's a lot of people getting beat up. And there's some very huge churches that are teaching these things. You can watch them on cable TV or whatever on a satellite dish. And the people are being robbed of the whole counsel of God. They're told that scholarly hermeneutics and scholarly exegesis of biblical passage is going to cause them to be dead and dry and dusty. Some of the best-selling books in America, in the religious marketplace, are taught by people that are in this movement. One guy who doesn't believe in the Trinity has a top best-selling book that's promoting this kind of uh, false teaching that we are discussing here. So it's a very serious problem. 
But I think that some of us need to be a little more out there correcting it. That's why we're doing this. If we want people to find out what faith, once for all, delivered to the saints, is really all about. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years' worth of articles, at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on Contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. We'll be back next week with Part 6 of The Priesthood of Every Believer. 